0: Hey everybody, welcome. My name is Steve Fenning, I'm one of the leaders here at The Forge and it's my pleasure to welcome you to The Forge Podcast. Uh, We're involved in a series called GoPro, seeing life through a new lens and I hope that over these next 30 minutes you're able to sit back and enjoy and I hope that you find it helpful. Good morning.
1: As you've heard, we are partway through this series called GoPro, where over the last few weeks, we've been looking at those key relationships in our lives and what would they look like if we looked at them through a different perspective. And that's what the GoPro camera was all about, that's what it was invented for. It was to give a different perspective, a different lens on life, so that we can see life in a different way. Now, last week, we looked at being a husband, and uh, the guys amongst us, we learned how we can do that better. And if you've missed that or any of our previous talks, you can catch up online. Um, But ladies, this week, it is our turn, and we're going to have the conversation today about what does it mean for us to be a wife? What does it mean for us to be better at being a wife? And what would it look like if maybe we considered this from a different perspective? Now, every girl in this room, when you were a little girl, you probably dreamt of one day being married. Maybe it was the big fairy tale wedding with the big white dress, or maybe it was a more quiet affair on a beach somewhere hot. But whether that's happened or not, you will have dreamt that at some point. Maybe you're still dreaming of it. Whether you're married or not, let me tell you something marriage doesn't always end up to be the fairy tale that we wanted it to be. Now, if you're married today, my hope is this will be really helpful in your relationship. If you're single or you're single again, I also hope this will be helpful because a lot of what we're talking about today is actually about who we are as women as well as who we are as a wife. Now, if you're single and you're one day hoping to be married, listen up because today might save you a little bit of heartache later on down the line. Now, this is something that I'm massively passionate about being a wife. In fact, you know what? I'm so, I'm so passionate about it, but it doesn't make me, me perfect. In fact, I'm far from it. I've had two stabs at being married. Um, I'm currently married to Tim. I say currently, I'm staying married to Tim, just to put that out there. That's not changing. I am married to Tim, and I'm staying married to Tim. Um, Tim and I have been married um, for two years. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> Um, Tim and I have been married two years. Um, but back in my 20s, I was married um, for five years, uh, and that came to an end. And when I look back on that time, I realized there was lots of things as a wife that I either didn't get right or that I didn't understand. And some of those things I will share this morning, but even with the best intentions and even with the desire not to repeat some of those things again, sometimes they can creep back into our marriages. See, I've known the good, the bad, and the ugly of marriage, And the thing I so desperately want is to be a better wife. A wife that serves my husband well. A wife that keeps him satisfied. Now, if as a wife, if you're up for that challenge as well, how about we look at that through a new lens this morning? Maybe a different perspective might be the thing that will save our marriages. It might be the things that makes us more contented in our marriage and give us a more satisfied husband. Are you up for that challenge Because if we are, it's going to take time, it's going to take effort, it's going to take emotional effort and attention to keep ourselves contented and our husbands satisfied. Now, anyone who is married or has been married, or anyone who has any men in their family, or any men you work with, so pretty much all of us here, you will know that men and women are very different species. Have a look at these few examples. See, haircuts. Men and women, we have a very different experience of going to the hairdresser, don't we? Costs us a lot, looks just the same. How about this next one? The wardrobe situation. Women, closet full of clothes, nothing to wear. Men, staple clothes. What about this final one? Choosing shampoo. Now, I don't know if you can read some of those things on there, but we choose our shampoo based on the smell, effectiveness, ingredients. Men, have shampoo written on it, job done. See, men, you don't realize how hard it is for us women picking picking products um, like this. Now, some of the ways that we're different as men and women are humorous. Some of the ways we're different are cute and sweet. But some of the ways we're different can cause huge tension and huge difficulties for us. But you know what? We were made different for a reason. Men and women were made to be different. Back in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we read the creation story and where God made man, and God made man first, Adam. But it became clear that it wasn't good for him to be alone. He needed a helper. See, God had put him in charge of everything in the garden. He would put him in charge of all the plants and all the animals. But God looked at it and said, it's not good for him to be alone. He needs a helper. And so God said, I will make a helper fit for him. And after searching amongst what he'd already created, God couldn't find a helper good enough. So God had to create someone for him. And so he took a rib out of Adam's side and created Eve, his helper. Now, he said the two of you will become one. But although they're one, they were actually still different. See, Adam and Eve bring different skills together. Eve had something different that Adam didn't. And right from the start, there's a tension there between male and female, between Adam and Eve. See, Adam and Eve weren't just created for companionship, although that's important. They were created in order for life to exist and life to thrive. But in order for life to exist and for life to thrive, a tension had to be there, and this is something I learned recently. See, the Bible uses this word for Eve as help. We translate it, Eve was Adam's helper. It's translated from the original Hebrew as help. But Actually, we miss something from the original Hebrew. See, the original Hebrew says this, etzer k'negdo. It's going to come up on here. And etzer translated means help or helper. But this k'negdo part actually means against or opposition. So maybe the correct translation for Eve is the help that opposes. And this is really important when it comes to understanding the difference between men and women. Because when we come together in in marriage, there's an opposition that happens. But it's a good opposition. I listened to a rabbi recently talking about this, and he used this example of a man and a woman being like two planks that come and rest against each other. They oppose one another. And actually, if they weren't opposing each other, they wouldn't be able to stand firm together. If you take one plank away, it will fall over. See, in our design, God created us to come against each other in order to support one another. Now, I know some of the tension between Tim and I comes from us being different, from us opposing one another. But how can we together work that out so that it's not a negative thing, but actually a positive thing? How can we celebrate those differences? You know, for part of that is about knowing our differences and understanding one another, knowing what my husband needs and what he wants, and trying to understand that person is essential if we're going to have successful marriages. Now, I asked him, my husband, and uh, a good friend, Dave, who's married to Emily, um, to share some of this with us because I wanted to hear from men what they felt those differences were and how that plays out. So we're going to watch in a second a video that Dave and, em, uh, Dave and uh, Tim are asking some questions. Um, but I just want to say a bit of a disclaimer. Now, a lot of what they say in this video is about M and about I. I didn't pay them to say nice things, honest. But I want you to really listen to those key things that might apply to your marriages too. What do you really, when you really get down to the heart of it, what are those differences that make you work? Or maybe not? Have a look at this.
2: My name is Dave Hanna. I'm married to the very wonderful Emily Hannah, and we have now been married for almost 11 years. So I'm Tim Warnock. I've been married to Becky for
0: two years. I would say for me, um, the thing that I value more and the thing that I look out for uh, and I appreciate about my wife are her loyalty and the trust that I can have in her. Um, I think like it's so important to have um, a good friendship with that person initially and so for me when I married Becky it was really good that I already had those values in her, I already trusted her, I already kind of um, saw that
2: she was a loyal person. I guess there are so many but I, I absolutely value Emily's love, she's one of the most loving people you could meet um not just towards me or the boys but to anybody she has this capacity to care for people and value people that i don't have she sees us as a family unit and thinks about us as a family unit um, all the time I think there is a real propensity for us to romanticize the other person's role. As a husband or a wife, it's really easy to think the other person has it easier. and So I think for Emily, I think it would be easy to think that I have it easier and it would be easy for me to think the same of her. her. I think often because I don't talk about things, I think it would be easy to think that I am not stressed about things or worried about things when actually I wake up most days feeling a bit terrified about what's going to happen to the family can i provide enough financially but but probably more am i providing the right amount of love am i providing the right amount of support and care and i think it's really easy to assume that i'm finding things very easy because i don't talk about it but all the stress is there like you i'm
0: not necessarily the kind of person that Um, talks a load about my emotions, Um, however I do have those emotions. Some um, women and maybe sometimes my wife can kind of think that because I'm not verbalizing how I'm feeling or um, expressing my thoughts and emotions that I don't have those thoughts and emotions and um, that isn't the case all the time. I hear the comment a lot, um, not just from work colleagues, but about kind of, oh my boyfriend doesn't do this or my husband doesn't do this for me or my husband is so frustrating he does this or my boyfriend's this. All men are the same why do all men do that and i'm like that's not the case you know not all men don't do housework not all men don't cook food not all men don't care about your thoughts and your emotions you know um and i guess it's just for me frustrating in some ways where people just kind of assume that all men are the same um and all men um, are idiots <laughs> it's both in it it's definitely both. <laughs> so this is my cliche answer that i would 100 percent give all the young people that i deal with and to my two boys but of course it's so important and it's the most important thing that that they should look out for in a wife in a partner in a boyfriend girlfriend definitely that's what they should look out for is the fact that first that they should love jesus and that they should have a relationship with jesus that they should be um close with him and and know who he is but um, here comes the but of of course it's important that you, you find your wife physically attractive and yeah.
2: um, it's definitely important just after i'd met emily i had a chat with dave pepper who was the ceo of cym at the time and i was working there and um we'd just been for a supervision <laughs> we came back to the office and emily had just been there to talk about being a volunteer for cym and i had just been talking about her to dave and uh and said that the thing that most attracted me was that her relationship with Jesus was more important to her than anything else and I knew that her relationship with Jesus was far more important to her than I was but as she walked away I also said to him she's got a great bum <laughs> <laughs> you should check it out no don't <sighs> it's a really interesting question because I think we have quite distinct roles but not often would fit in with the gender stereotype. So we, we, we share a lot of jobs. I think she might say something different, but I think we share a lot of jobs. But where I notice it most at the moment, we'll go out for the day and uh, on the just as we get ready to go home, I'll be like, oh, we didn't pack snacks for the boys. Yes, we did. Uh, oh, I didn't pack their pyjamas. Yes, we did. And she just thinks ahead for us as a family all the time in a way that I just don't. When Finn started going to school or just before school, when she said, oh, he's got a place at that our preferred choice. And I realized, see, you've done all the applications, you've done, you've been around and seen all the schools, you've bought all the uniform, you've started preparing him by talking about stuff. Uh, and I realized, wow, you serve our families, our family in ways I don't even think about. But actually she does serve me by being the primary carer for our family. The thing that I
0: um, really value most uh, in the way that she serves me is, um, the fact that she knows my love languages she knows what makes me tick she knows what's important to me and what I uh, value the most and not only does she know that she knows that she uh, wants to do that for me and she wants to serve me in that way my love languages are words of affirmation and she knows that my love languages um, are physical touch and um, she does that you know you know we'll be sitting watching a film or watching a program or netflix at night and she'll tickle my leg and um talk to me and tell me how she loves me and tell me how uh, valued i am to her for me because i'm a needy person (laughs) and she will definitely tell you that um but she understands that and she um accepts that and um yeah she serves me in that way and she really makes me feel uh, needed and wanted in that relationship which is,
2: is so important i think after 11 years we are finally getting to the place where um she knows me better than anybody else and we are becoming finally real partners in life that we're not uh, it's not about living together and it's not about um sharing a day or an event but it's actually about who would you most want to share life with journey through life with and i've um never not wanted it to be m But now I'm really enjoying it being Em, that she's my partner in this journey, hopes, dreams, fears, failures, that she's the person I get to do it with.
0: Yeah, that's cool.
1: See, our men, our husbands, have emotional needs. Lord knows they have some physical needs too. And we could spend hours talking about all of those things that our men need. But you know, it wouldn't be nearly as beneficial as you having that conversation with your man. And so before we dive further into this, that's the first thing I want you to take away from this. I want you to commit to having those conversations with your husbands, sitting down and maybe answering some of those questions that Dave and Tim answered. What do you appreciate about me? What are the differences that make us work? How do I best serve you? Ask your husband, what do you need to be loved and fulfilled by me? Now men, let me just say, if your wife initiates this conversation either this afternoon or at some point this week, please be gracious with how you respond. Don't use it as an excuse to bring up all the grievances and all the past hurts to to kind of bombard her with. But take it graciously, see it as a conversation to try and help understand one another better. I was recently listening to a speaker, an American lady called Kay Arthur, and she speaks a lot to women and to a lot about marriage. And she said this, she said, men possess two great fears, the fear of being found inadequate and the fear of being controlled by a woman. Now, I haven't got any hard facts on this, but when I spoke to a few men about this, this struck a chord with them. See, your man wants to be your hero. He wants to fulfill you. He wants to feel worthwhile. He wants to know that he's needed by you. When he looks in your eyes, he wants to see you return that look with love and admiration. So in the time we've got left this morning, I want us just to look at those two fears, this fear of being found inadequate and this fear of being controlled by a woman. And how might we as wives support our husbands to be everything that God created them to be? When Tim and I got married in 2017, um, Tim moved into what was my house, uh, which was great for me, um, but it wasn't so great for Tim. See, in my house, we had all my furniture. Um, Tim's furniture, we either donated or it got stored in the garage. In my house, things were exactly where I wanted them to be. They all had their place, and they needed to stay there. In my house, we did the chores and the jobs in the way that I wanted them to be, which was great. But if you ask Tim, it was difficult for him, because at times, he will say that he felt like a guest in my house. And that hurt to hear that, because I didn't see it like that. I saw it as it was now our house. But the problem was my actions weren't conveying that. I was inadvertently conveying something very different. I was actually saying to him, well, actually, I don't really need you, because I've got everything how I want it to be. Actually, the way you want to do things isn't right. Actually, what I was doing was making him feel inadequate. What I also was doing in making sure that everything was done how I wanted it to be, I was being controlling. See, I was controlling how our home was done, and there was very little flexibility to do it any different. You asked Tim if he suggested to do something very different, trust me, it wasn't even worth him asking. But you know what, this is really hard, especially when you've been single for many years, because when you're single, you don't have anyone else to think about. You can do things in your own home exactly how you want them to be done because you don't have anyone else to take into consideration. But women, if we constantly nag at their inabilities to do things right, if we constantly remind them they're forgetful, they're sloppy, they're lazy, they're irresponsible, the list could go on. Over time, our husbands will become less inclined and motivated to prove us wrong, because he knows that we'll only be critical of it anyway. Now, I know no man is perfect. They know that too. But just like you and me, ladies, he doesn't need to be defined by his imperfections. See, God has uniquely made our husbands, our mens, to be a leader, to be a father, a provider for our families. And they don't need a wife who doesn't believe that about them. As a wife, we need to be focusing on those unique qualities that make them who they are, those differences that actually we need to work together. We need to be encouraging in that. Now, maybe I'm just talking to myself here who has a habit of being a bit overly critical, but if you're anything like me, and if your husbands are anything like mine, they will bristle at being corrected. They don't like being criticised, and they certainly don't like being mothered by us. It makes them feel belittled, and it makes them feel insignificant. See, men aren't as tough as they sometimes appear. Our cutting, our nagging comments can wound deeply, especially when they're built up over time. What we might make as a little remark about a specific incident, something they've put in the wrong place, something they've done wrong at home, actually hits deep to them. Because although it can just be a specific comment, it wounds them really badly. You know, on the flip side of that, what is equally as powerful is if we give them a compliment, if we say something great about them, if we affirm something they've done, it makes them feel on cloud nine all day. When we truly believe in them and affirm them for who they are, our husbands feel loved and important. It makes them feel like they're the hero that they want to be for us. Now, the Bible can be hugely helpful in this in helping guide us and giving us advice on how to do this right. There's a section in the Bible in the middle called Proverbs, which is full of wise words and sayings. And at the end of that, chapter 31 of Proverbs, is a description of a wife A wife who completely bosses this wife thing well. She is like the picture-perfect poster wife. And I'm not going to read it all out to you, but maybe go away and look it up. So it's Proverbs 31. But these are some of the things it says. It says, A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth more than rubies. It says she gets up while it is still night to tend for her family. She sets about her work vigorously her arms are strong for her tasks. I want to just pull out two verses in there, verses 11 and 12. It says this, it says, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good, not harm all the days of her life. Now if you look at that, could that be said of you? Could that be said of me? You know I was saying how we can damage our husbands really easily with the words we say. Well here it talks about the heart of her husband. Almost that most uh, intimate vulnerable part of who they are. See we often use the heart don't we of this vulnerable thing that we try and protect that we try and not give away too easily. I'm sure a few of your Valentine's cards would have had hearts on the front of them because we associate hearts with our feelings and our emotions. I don't really know why, because it's a bit random, using a random organ of the body, isn't it? But that's what we do. And so in here, what it's saying is her husband completely and, and fully trusts her. The most vulnerable part of him believes in her. He can trust his heart to her. He will tell her the deepest part of who he is. He's happy to share things with her. It goes on to say that she does him good, not harm. How do we harm our man unknowingly? I don't think any of us would say we want to cause our husbands harm, but those little nagging comments, those little things we do, we do that unknowingly. What about those words that make him feel inadequate? Or maybe we're bringing him down um, in other fears that he has as well. Maybe it is more around this controlling thing, rather than the fear of being inadequate. Maybe it's our need or our desire to want to be controlling. And actually that is hurting him unknowingly. Let me just be clear, when I say men and women are different, I'm not implying that we're not equal in any way before the feminists uh, jump on me and start sending me emails. I believe completely that males and females, men and wives, are equal in value, but we're just different. We bring something different into a relationship. Now the problem often comes when it comes to control. Because what we might say with our mouths is that we are equal in our relationship. but Actually, in our actions, by us being controlling, it actually says, I'm more important. The way we do things, the way I do things, is more important than the way you do things. You might have picked up that's a bit of an issue for me when I talked about Tim moving into what was my house. But if we fast-forward 18 months, Tim and I are now living in a new house, and it's definitely our house, it's our house equally. Problem is, I still expect things, sometimes, to be done my way. Let me share one of my biggest bugbears at home, and I've got Tim's permission to share this. It's hanging out washing. So, in my mind, when you hang out washing on a rotary dryer, there is a way to hang up shirts and hang up trousers. Tim has a completely op- opposite approach to this, and we hang them the other way up. Now, that's fine when it's outside, but this also comes to being inside. So when you dry clothes inside on a dryer, I have a way on how I put the clothes on the dryer. I normally start on the bottom rungs and work my way up, so I'm not having to go underneath clothes onto the rungs. Does that make sense? I also put underwear and socks and stuff on the bottom rungs so they're not dragging on the floor. Tim has a different approach to hanging out washing. Now, I could just let this slide, but me being me, I have to comment on it. And so I say to him, is that really the best way to hang out washing, look what you've done? Like It's dragging on the floor, it's not going to dry properly, etc., etc." You know, I kind of say to him, you know, my way is better. Actually, my way's right. You're just wrong in the way you're doing that. Now, that's a bit of a silly example, I know, but the outcome of that is actually quite serious, because Tim is trying to help in hanging out the washing. So what do you think happens the next time washing needs hanging out? Well, he could look at it and he'd think to himself, "Oh, do you know what, I could help and hang out that washing, but you know what, if I do it, I'm only going to get it wrong, so I might as well just leave it and let her do it. I then come along, see washing needs hanging out, I'm like, why can't he help around the house? Can he not just put the washing out? When actually it's my fault that he's not put the washing out in the first place. See, women, when we insist on something being done our way, Through a very practical level, it stops him from helping and serving us and our families. But at a deeper level, it speaks to him not being good enough. It reinforces that I'm right and he's wrong. My way is perfect and his isn't. Not only does it wound our husbands, but I actually believe it brings a hardening to our own hearts. Because if we continue to nag our husbands over those small things, over the things they don't do right, remember, right in our eyes, then you will consistently believe that he's not good enough. You will expect him to get things wrong, but even before he's even had a chance to prove otherwise. When your husband feels like he's being controlled, he will eventually shut down completely. He will leave all leadership and decisions to you because you seem to be doing such a good job of it anyway. The result is a shadow of a man that you knew and loved. The result could be the ending of your relationship, because they will feel deflated, and they will feel disinterested. In this vicious cycle, you will become increasingly overwhelmed and frustrated. You'll feel like you're doing everything, that you're carrying the burden, when in reality, it's the burden that you took from him anyway, because you didn't like how he was doing something. On the other hand, if he doesn't feel like he's bullied out of his position within your home, He'll not only take on more responsibility in the home, he might actually relinquish more to you because you're better placed to do something. You know what? This also rebounds in areas of intimacy and romance. Because a man who feels controlled by his wife loses much of his desire to be tender and uh, romantic towards a woman, especially a woman who treats him and acts more like his mother. Now, I've never seen a car engine, that you just sit on it, and it, sit in it, and it turns on and goes. See, with a car, you have to sit in it. You have to turn the key or press a button these days, put your foot down um, on the accelerator, put it into gear, and then the car goes forward. In the same way, men aren't turned on by demanding screaming wives that make them feel inadequate and useless. See, control and intimacy are two very opposing forces. <laughs> And so if you back off your husband a little bit, he'll feel more confident, more secure, and more fulfilled. And the outcome could be someone who wants to romance you more. So we have these two fears, fear of inadequacy and fear of being controlled. But it's not all bad because there is a way to stop this cycle. And I want us to finish with these two actions that I want to uh, give us as a challenge, wives, to take away from this morning. The first is this. I want to challenge us for seven days not to correct, or challenge, or revamp any decision your husband makes for seven days. So when driving and they go a weird route, just keep quiet. Maybe when they've put clothes on the boys and the kids, and you're like, what on earth did you dress them like that for? Don't say it, just let it go. For me, when Tim's hanging out washing, I'll be trying to be quiet. Let it go. Now, I've tried this over the last couple of weeks. I've not made it past a day yet, so uh, good luck making it to seven days. <laughs> maybe that for you is a thing, if you're more like me. Maybe a day is enough of a challenge, but do one day at a time. Maybe you're a lot better than me, and maybe seven days will be easy. Try a month. But let's not correct, challenge or revamp any decision your husband makes. There's a verse in 1 Thessalonians that says this, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Maybe you need to start each day with that. By actually reading that, it might help us guard our tongues when it comes to our husbands, rather than tearing them down. The second thing we're gonna need to do is to seek forgiveness. If anything I've said has hit a nerve with you this morning, you will know what you need to seek forgiveness over. See, a good marriage needs plenty of love and grace and forgiveness. Because when you put two people under the same roof who are created to oppose one another, we will at times hurt each other. Not intentionally, but we will. And so we need to be able to learn to forgive those things. We need to learn to let them go so they don't turn into um, bitterness and resentment. So maybe some of us need to go away from here and have that conversation with our other halves around saying sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for the way that I make you feel inadequate. I'm sorry for the way that I'm controlling. Seek out your husband's forgiveness. If you were here last week, Steve reminded us how marriage actually reflects this covenant uh, that God has...